0: what's going on guys thanks for joining me on another episode of the duck gun podcast on today's episode me and elliot are talking about the full story how we got started with our youtube and now on to podcast and just filling everybody in on our full story so without any further ado let's jump into the podcast What's going on, guys? Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles on YouTube, and I got my co-host alongside me tonight, Elliot from FreelanceDuckHunting.com <laughs> <dot com>, on <laughs> YouTube. Hey, there is a FreelanceDuckHunting.com. Yeah, there <laughs> is. Not too far off. <laughs> if you
1: really want to see the content, it's Freelance FreelanceDuckHunting YouTube channel.
0: <laughs> yep. I can't All believe I, I duffed that up. I've said it how many times now, and that's the first time I duffed it A lot up. of times. <laughs>
1: a lot of times but like i said there's uh stuff to see at the website as well so feel free to go there
0: awesome and uh while we're on things you should check out make make sure to check us out on the fellowship of the duck gun on facebook we have got a facebook group going on there and uh all things waterfowl discussion with all you guys so yeah check us out there
1: Hey, the man is the man is here, Zach. The man is here. I'll tell you, I know him personally now. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, that's right. Iowa Plainsman. So yeah, go ahead and give us a little rundown of your um your survival challenge.
1: Well, let's just say it's for those of you who know who Freak Baby is. We'll just say that Zach from Iowa Plainsman fell deeply in love with Freak Baby. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, was, it was amazing. This was the second year that we've done the Survival Weekend. So for those of you that don't know what it is, um, we go out on the the river for three days, two nights, and we don't take any food with us. And this year, we made it a little different. We didn't even take any bait with us. So it was Aiden and Zach from Iowa Plainsman Outdoor and myself. Dan actually bailed out and didn't go. So it was just the three of us. And I'll say this year, certainly food was much more easily available. Um, so the first year we struggled hard to get food, but this year, I mean, food came pretty easy. So we had gar and catfish and, um, it was just an, it was an amazing time. We had, we had all the food we needed by the second morning. So the second day we, um, we had, we had a 13 mile stretch to river to cover the whole day. Right. So we did five miles the first day, got all the fish that we needed, um, that, first evening and the next morning and then the second day we just lazily floated down the river and just goofed around and swam we found some bluffs to jump off into the river and and it was just an incredible time i got to know zach really well and he's a great guy he fit in just perfectly so man it was it's awesome it was awesome now we did have a little bit of an issue right at the end of the trip with a big rainstorm but I don't know, I, I won't go into the details of that, but I think the video's gonna be <laughs> two parts. And I don't know, it was, it was great. It was an awesome, awesome trip.
0: So awesome. Much, so, much fun. so how, how yeah. does gar taste? I've never, uh, I've never let alone even seen one, I've never tried it.
1: Well, it's got a reputation for being really disgusting, but Zach knew how to cook it and clean it. And you basically just clean it like a trout, You cut off the tail, cut off the head, gut it out. Um, we put it in tin foil, put it on the fire, because you know gar has is is a prehistoric fish, so it's got this really hard armor plating on the sides. It's a really cool, tough-looking fish. Tons of teeth. Now we I, we were, I believe, catching short-nosed gar, so they weren't the huge alligator gar, but they were bigger than um, the long-nosed gar. And so these were probably about we never measured them. I'm guessing thirty-inch fish, about four pounds in that range. These gar, and um, put them in tinfoil. Put them on the fire. And then when they're done, that hard armor plating scales literally just peels off, and it's left with the whitest, best meat. Zach is calling them um, chicken of the river, and he's <laughs> absolutely right. The, the texture of this meat is just like chicken, and people think it's disgusting, and I had always thought it was disgusting. I'd never tried it. They just get a bad rap, and I think that people just don't know how to properly prepare it because it was
0: oh. – I mean,
1: seriously, it was unbelievably white and delicious. It was just great.
0: That's crazy. I wonder uh, if uh, carp's similar or not. Because carp's no. kind of like that, right? No, <laughs> carp's not similar. Huh? So not know, from like, my experience. I know people uh, in other in other countries, um, you know, eat carp, but um, I'm not sure. I guess people here do too, but. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I know that carp – I've always been told that if you pressure cook carp or some something or steam cook them or something like that, then, then they're pretty good. But I know that uh, Dan tried to make some carp over here one time, and the meat is not white. It's a darker shaded of meat, and I know that carp that Dan made was terrible. Hmm. So now Zach was hoping we caught a carp because he wanted to prepare it for us, <laughs> and maybe it would have been good. But I know it's not white meat like um, the river chicken.
0: Maybe was, he would have been uh, calling it steak of the river.
1: <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. I mean, my mind was definitely changed on Gar, and on all my Instagram pictures and everything, people are saying, "Oh, Gar's nasty, Gar is nasty." And I think that people just don't know how to how to take care of it because to chop the head off, you have to have something you can't, can't really do it with a knife. So, like we had a machete, or we wouldn't have been able to. And and we had to use scissors to cut up the belly because I mean this is just a tough plated fish. So my guess is people just. Try to cut it like a normal fish, and just get so pissed off. And there's a lot of bones in it, but I mean, when you're just peeling it off in your hands, you can just pick the meat right out, and it's really easy to eat. But it hmm. was fantastic. Yeah, nice. yeah I, I prefer that. Then our we had a our breakfast Saturday morning was fried catfish, and I preferred the texture of the gar meat by far over the catfish.
0: Really, man, I love catfish. so That's kind of hard to believe, but that's crazy.
1: <laughs> well, I've never been a big fish fan. I don't like. I, I have like lobster, crab, things like that, where the meat's a little more spongy. Even frog legs, that texture has always kind of bothered me. It has a little bit more of a spongy texture,
2: mm.
1: um, and and catfish has a much more spongy texture of the meat than than gar. Gar, I mean, I, you could fool me into saying thinking it was chicken very easily because that's the texture of it. It's like chicken. Huh. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's it's that's not going to be the last time I eat gar. That's for sure so how about your trip uh you did some trout fishing right
0: yeah yeah so me and my dad went up to northern michigan um did some fly fishing um if you guys paid attention to the weather at all this weekend you know that it was blazing hot and so uh we'd looked at the reports and like the fishing was supposed to be on fire but um you know how how that goes as soon as you get up there and there's you know a big weather change because it was going from like low 80s to like um upper 90s and so we're there and it's like 99 degrees, and the fishing just shut off. So, I mean, it was still great to be out there. Uh, I love to be out in, um, you know, nature and all that kind of stuff. You know, some really scenic areas. Like, we'd go out there and fish, and we wouldn't see anybody, you know, all day. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, we just didn't have luck. You so.
1: literally caught nothing? You didn't catch a like,
0: single fish? Oh, no. I mean, I, I caught a couple. I think I just caught two um, okay. trout and two rainbow trout. And then, um, we moused at night. Um, what's that mean? M- oh, so, um, I tie these mouse flies. They're like about like this big. Um, they uh-huh. just look just like a mouse. So you, you use like uh, rabbit fur and foam and it floats on top. And so uh, brown trout have like a, what's it called like a double retina mirror or something like that. I can't remember the exact terminology, but they can see at night, um, because of that mm-hmm. double re- reflection of the light. Um, whereas like we can't, you know, they can see like perfect. Well, not perfectly, but good enough to hunt at night. So we'll throw the mouse, you know, in the water and kind of like drift it downstream and they'll hit it on top water. And, um, you know, I hooked into one and I lost it right at my feet. Uh, my dad had a couple on as well. Um, so we didn't catch any at night. Um, and then that was the first night we got there. And then after that, it kind of just trailed off and got worse and worse just because of the super, super hot weather.
1: So where were, where were you guys staying? Were you staying in a cabin or tenting it no, up? No,
0: guys- yeah. Like uh we brought hammocks. Um so the first night we slept in hammocks um out there in the woods. And then um the second day we were we went from like we're just going all across the state like just checking different rivers. Um you know, different small streams and we ended up uh, parking somewhere like uh, right on one of the rivers the second night, and it was gonna rain. And we just slept in the seats of the vehicle, <laughs> and then it didn't oh even end up raining. Like we when we went to sleep, it was like thunderstorms and everything like right on top of us. But they just went just north of where we're at. But uh, was
1: that Saturday? Was that Saturday night?
0: That was yeah Saturday night. Yeah, oh. but I mean, yeah, we were. I was so pooped by the end of it because we we fished when we got there. We drove straight from work on Friday. Got there about um like nine o'clock and we fished and went to sleep about 3 30 i think and then we woke up at 6 30 and then fished that whole day and that second night you know we got to sleep about one o'clock and i was so pooped
1: <laughs> we, we just threw a tarp out on the sandbar so the first night we had this sweet willow tree that was all shaded during the day that we napped under and then we just had a big tarp and threw sleeping bags on top of it and nice. there was a breeze and For being as hot as it was it was beautiful but we got so cocky i wasn't going to tell this to try not to (laughs) um, sour my reputation but um we got really really cocky right because it was just all going so easy and the saturday these we were at our second camp spot and the thunderheads were just bubbling and brewing all over the place and i had this great idea i'm like look we're fine if it rains we're just going to put all of our crap in the middle of the tarp. And then if it starts raining, we'll just roll the tarps over top of us and make like what we're calling a tarp taco, right? <laughs> and um, the bad, the, the, the thing that was so foolish about that is that the water's still going to accumulate and get in underneath that, right? I mean, there's no way that you can do that to where the water doesn't just run off and get into the tarp and all over and and end up running down under you right (laughs) so we were just getting ready to go to bed and we've been watching these thunderstorms in fact i got some really cool time lapse of of um, some thunderheads um, forming and we were just getting ready to go to bed and it started to rain so we dive under this huge tarp and wrap it on us and it's pouring and within 10 minutes i know zach and aiden were completely soaked (laughs) and I I had been a little more prepared, so I was actually in my sleeping bag, so I didn't feel too bad. But I mean, all of our crap, and we got completely soaked. And so we were only a mile from the boat ramp at that point, and it was about I don't know twelve twelve thirty. And so we just made a decision. We we're like, you know what? We're only an hour from boat ramp. Maybe we should just paddle on out and head home. So we actually <laughs> did that. So technically speaking, we failed the challenge. Oh wow. Cause we didn't make the second night, right?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a mission failed. You're gonna have to go for round two.
1: <laughs> I'm feeling
0: really, and here's the bad part:
1: we had a tent with us. Mm. We just Zach brought one. We just didn't set it up. <laughs> so, I mean, we're all. I know that I, and I'm sure Aiden and too. I'm not sure about Zach. I'm sure he is probably as well. But all of us are feeling like why didn't, I mean, it's a survival, I kind of lost sight of it being a survival trip. Everything had come so easy and we'd had so much food that I just kind of lost the premise of the whole thing is like, no, it's two nights, three days in survival, dealing with everything. And I just, I, I think I, we kind of just lost sight of it. And we're just like a regular trip. We're like, well, we're a mile. Let's just go head on out. And then we got thinking about it. It's like, we failed the challenge. <laughs> we didn't stay. So that put a little damper on it, but <laughs> well
0: yeah yeah well i got one more story before we head right into the podcast uh main topic but you remember that uh that possum i had in my dryer vent
2: (laughs) yes that was disgusting
0: so um what was that about a week ago i had a possum so i I was sitting right here um on my computer i hear like some kind of rustling coming uh from our laundry room which is not too far from here and it's in the basement and uh the dryer's going, like it's spinning, and I hear some rustling. I'm like, what in the world? And then the next thing I hear is the dryer just screeches. And I, like, jump out, <laughs> out of my chair and start running over there. And it screeches, and it's
2: like,
0: and then it screeches to a halt. And I'm like, what in the world? What in the world happened? And, like, I'm pushing the button, and, like, nothing. It won't run. Uh, won't turn on, and then I smell this terrible odor, this <laughs> awful, like almost like enough to make you puke, and uh, <laughs> it smells so bad. So, anyways, I start like I'm like, um, I figured out that something had came down the dryer vent, and I wasn't sure what it was. You know, I'd kind of shake it, and uh, you know, I knew something was in there. So, I took it apart, and all I could see was this white curly cue coming out of the the back of the the dryer. And so <laughs> I put on some gloves, and uh, I pulled it, and it was, <laughs> um, and it was a possum tail. <laughs> a possum got all the way in my dryer and jammed his head, um, and stopped the drum from from spinning, and he died in there. Yeah. So it, was, it just smelled terrible, and um, yeah. So. Or did he Makes
1: die sense. in there at the point of all the screeching or had he been yeah. in there for a while
0: no, no he died in there when that happened almost positive positive. and they're
1: just such nasty stinky animals that the smell automatically
0: when he died he pooped himself too so <laughs> 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 that yeah did help i saw set. the
1: pictures of that yeah that you can see in it um uh, fellowship of the duck gun but uh that looked this was disgusting
0: yeah it was uh yeah and so i had to take like the whole back of it apart and like the whole time i'm doing it like man it was just so it, it smells so bad <laughs> so anyways just make sure your dryer vents have a, a grate over them so i got one of those whoever had the house before us didn't put one on there and it's awful so anyways i think right now is a good time to That's jump good. into the main episode So if you guys are just joining us, um, I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles at YouTube and my co-host alongside me, Elliot, from Freelance Duck Hunting on YouTube as well. And our topic for tonight is YouTube and filming hunts. So go ahead and take it away, Elliot.
1: Well, um, like like Jordan said, the main point of discussion is going to be YouTube, and our personal channels, how we formed them, what we trends on YouTube, maybe just thoughts and ideas about filming on YouTube. So um, I think a, a good place to start this would just be um, telling about our own channels, why we started them and kind of giving a little backstory. Um, so I don't know if you want to start with that or you want me to start with with my channel or?
0: Um, okay. Sure, I'll let you start.
1: Okay. So, um, like some, most of you probably know my channel is freelance duck hunting and I love, I have always loved the name freelance duck hunting. And I got that from Ducks Unlimited and I've been watching Ducks Unlimited since probably 2000 and I can't remember when the 2003, I don't know, a long time, long time. And they do a lot of hunts in which they go with outfitters and guides but every now and then, I know especially Wade Bourne would do this, they would go on what they call freelance duck hunts. And those were always my favorite episodes because those were always public land hunts. I remember one time they, they went down to a lake in Oklahoma called Lake Eufaula, and it was just an episode that I loved. And he kept talking about these freelance hunts. Freelance hunts. So that's kind of where I started loving the name freelance duck hunting. Um, now, videoing hunts for me goes a long way back where my dad always had a video camera in our family and frequently on our hunts, he would take them out. So my dad's got a ton of, um, hunt footage from like the late eighties, um, nineties, even probably back to the mid eighties of just, you know, he's got those huge old VCR cameras out there. And so kind of having a camera around was always, something that that was there at some point in time, I'll go through all that old, it's probably such a bad video, I couldn't do anything with it. But, but it was always kind of a thing. So um, a couple of years before I started the channel, I started FDH in, um, let's see, this is season four. So what, like 2014, 2013, 2014. And when I started it, the whole reason I, I, I did so was not to share my hunts with other people the whole idea of starting freelance duck hunting was that I wanted to record more of my memories. I had been keeping a hunt log for quite some time. And on the hunt log, I kept how many birds I shot and different data about um, each hunt. And then at the end I would just leave a little um, sentence or two or notes about the hunt, which would help me remember what happened. So at the beginning of every year, I would go through my old hunts and look through the notes. And what I was noticing is that sometimes I could barely even remember the hunt and, or I couldn't remember enough about that. And I was telling my dad, I was like, I'm just not remembering enough about these hunts. So I'm going to start a video, a video log. Just so in 10 years I could go back and look at these videos and have a better memory of, of the hunt. And my idea was just to, to, you know, record myself after the hunt and make a little journal of it. So I said that for a whole year, didn't do it. The next year was FDHC see- freelance duck hunting season number one. And I got a hand-me-down camera from my father-in-law. And um, instead of doing the log afterwards, I just took the I just took the camera with me and I just hit record a bunch of times. Put it on YouTube so I could send the links out to my parents and everything, named the channel Freelance Duck Hunting. And I had no real aspirations of ever getting any kind of a following. But people started watching that first time. And I remember telling my son, I was like, oh, my gosh, if I could just get 100 subscribers or if I could just. And then I, I was like, oh, I made seven cents on this video, you know. Uh, <laughs> and so I it was just like. And then I started thinking, oh, my gosh, if I could get one check from YouTube, one check in my life, I would be so happy. And so then I just liked, liked it so much. I just started. I continued that season to take my camera with me, hunt two, hunt three, hunt four. By the time I got to that, I was like, oh my gosh, people are actually watching this stuff, right? So at that point in time, I was like, well, I'm gonna make an intro. And 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 the more people that started watching it, then I was like, all right, um, let's actually try to do this. Let's try to make this content for other people, and just kind of kept growing and, and building. And at some point in time, it was just like, I don't kind of thing, <laughs> really. And but the whole the whole situation caught me completely off guard, to the point now where, I mean, it's not a huge channel at all, especially I mean, it's very small when you think of um, YouTube channels. I've got about twelve thousand subscribers, which is pretty small, but in the and for waterfowl, that's actually a fairly significant number. So, um, yeah, that's my background of how it all got started. I guess for
0: me, awesome. Yeah. So uh, have you? Uh... Have you deleted any videos ever from any of your hunts, or is it just...
1: I have recorded, since I started, I have posted every single duck hunt that I've been on on YouTube except, let's say, well, I've got a few that are only on Patreon, but I've only not recorded one hunt, one waterf- waterfowl hunt in the last three years.
0: Oh, wow. That's pretty good. So people and, can go back and see yeah. the very first the very first video.
1: Yep. On my, on my YouTube channel, they've got playlists of season one, season two, season three. Yeah. So you can go back and see the very first one, which is actually Danny boy's very first hunt um, of his life. And I hardly even knew him at that time, which is the cool thing (laughs) about this channel is that when it started, Dan and I didn't really know each other. The first time we hung out was on that other than church small group is where I met him was on that hunt number one. So I didn't really know him at all and you can see the progression of our friendship and then I actually met Aiden our golden boy on season 2 hunt 9 we ran into him in the woods and hunted with him and now he's like one of the best friends I've had in my entire life so that's kind of and that's just part of the recording memory thing i can literally go back and see the first hunt with well, the first time i ever met Aiden you know yeah so it's and that's one one i really try to stress relationships and letting people get to know The people I'm hunting with, which I think is a little bit makes my channel stand out a little bit more um, than some of the others because I want people to know Dan and know my dad and know Golden Boy and know Corn. I want them to actually somewhat identify them with them in a sense, you know, if that makes it that.
0: Yeah, you definitely do a good job with that uh, (laughs) because I think everybody who watches your channel can say they, they feel like they know. The fdh crew
1: <laughs> yeah well you know we've been interviewing these guys like ben potter and cabela's hunting and i'm never going to be those guys because i don't have the artistic ability um or the creative ability to be them i just don't so i'm just a guy that loves to hunt that loves to hit record and who I- i'm going to continue to get better about doing what i'm doing but it's never going to be one of those you know, Slade Northwest or those guys that do the artistic cinematic version, which you're, you're very skilled at that as well. I, I, my videos are never going to be that. So what I'm trying to capitalize on is come on the hunt with me. Here's what it's going to feel like. Here's what you're going to experience when, at the end of the hunt, I want people saying, I I felt like I hung out with them, and I felt like I was there. And I think that sometimes those cinematic uh, videos miss that greatly. You don't ever, well, very rarely do you feel like you're with them on the cinematic version of a hunt. Now, I love those videos completely, I love them, um, and they get a lot of views fast. But I guess that is my that's what I'm trying to do just regular guys out hunting, and I want to do it in as quality way as possible. But it's just never going to be that cinematic, um, professional level of look to it, I guess. If, if that if that translates.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, it definitely translates, yeah.
1: So what, what about what about your channel? Let's talk about how you, how you got your start. There's so much stuff yeah. we can talk about here. I'm sure we'll easily be able to <laughs> fill up this hour because it's, to me, very interesting.
0: Yeah, um, I guess, yeah. So my start, um, I think my start's kinda pretty unique because, uh, you know, at the point when I made my first duck hunting video, it was my first duck hunt, <laughs> mm. or successful, you know, duck hunt, and it's uh, um, I think you'd be hard hard pressed to you know find somebody whose first hunt was actually, you know, their first video. You know, like <laughs> it's kind of weird yeah. how that all happened. Um, but so I, why I think, did you
1: decide on your first hunt to video it?
0: What? Um, yeah, I think I need to. I need to step back a little bit. I probably yeah, jumped back, ahead back on back the story. So, um, so, you know, I one of my friends actually so this is kind of how it started at work he was like we're we're walking around outside and he was talking about youtube he's like man we should make youtube channels i'm like okay sure why not you know like (laughs) um and so we went ahead and we both made youtube channels um and you know at the time you know i fished a lot and uh so my big passion was fly fishing and uh You know the thing about fly fishing is that I have to travel way up to Michigan because we don't have trout around here, and like my passion really wasn't to like fly fish for like smallmouth, so I couldn't really make content for you know trout or steelhead or salmon very often. I could make you know two or three videos a year, Um, but anyway, so I started out kind of fly fishing, making some fly fishing videos. And, uh, you know, from then, you know, I really kind of like reimmersed myself in the outdoors. And, you know, from my childhood, I had, I'd, uh, you know, been in the outdoors a lot, you know, with my grandpa and my parents getting me into stuff. But um, then kind of in my later years, I hadn't like I hadn't been outside at all. And, I, and w- when I got out into the outdoors again, I realized like how much I missed it. And I was looking for things to do that would be um, in the outdoors. Um, that I could do on a more regular basis. And that's kinda when I, you know, thought about duck hunting. And I'm like, well I could just do duck hunting. I know there's duck hunting around here and I could do that all the time. And, you know, I already had made like a few f- fishing videos. And so it kinda was a natural progression to, you know, I'm gonna film when I go hunting and try to make hunting videos. And so, you know, my story with hunting though, uh, I went by myself solo hunts. I went eleven times before I shot a duck, <laughs> which is pretty bad. Oh my bad. god. That's yeah. And, uh, you know, just going me and chief in the canoe and we go out there and I actually took one of my buddies who had never hunted either. So me and my buddy who'd never hunted and chief and we're sitting there, I had, we had two of my grandpa's guns <laughs> and we're just waiting for some birds to show up. And we had like a dozen, you know, duck floaters. And so finally, after 11 times I got, I got a duck and I actually shot a triple on geese. <laughs> nice. So that was my first successful hunt, and it was terrible. Like as far as a YouTube video goes, um, you know, I didn't record, like, barely into the action. So, um, but anyways, that's kind of how I started, and and I just like, uh, you know, from there I got, I, I think I got a lot better with my YouTube videos. Um, and the, the thing that I really fell in love with on YouTube is telling the story. Um, I love like telling the story and you're, you're talking about like the cinematic approach and you know the vlogging style and they're all kind of like tools you can tell or y- tools you can use to tell your story and uh, you know kind of like l- make it so people can feel like they're on this journey with you you know through your duck hunting um, so they can like kind of you know they almost can smell the marsh like hear, hear the sounds of the marsh you know everything you try to approach it using your camera as like a tool to tell the story in your vlog to kind of approach the story in a way. And I mean, you do really good with the storytelling on your vlog. Um, you know, so everybody has their kind of strong suit and, you know, like kind of, you're saying like Slade Northwest and, and Ben Potter, they all tell the story really well with a cinematic approach, you mm-hmm. know, lots of slow motion, lots of, uh, <laughs> you know, vivid shots. Of, yeah, I, think beautiful, like art. I think it's
1: like art.
0: Yeah, like it's like art. art. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm not the best vlogger. I'm not the best cinematic guy. Um, I'm probably not the best at anything, but I, I, you know, I'm improving on all my skills trying to, you know, tell my story. And that's, that's kind of what my approach is on for YouTube.
1: Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about YouTube and, and is that the transitions that I'm trying, that have gone on with the duck hunting content that it, that's there, and we're at a really interesting time with YouTube right now because we're I don't know how many years would you say we're kind of behind fishing as far as YouTube goes?
0: Uh, that's a tough one to say. I mean, maybe three or four. Three or four. Where you had May- this? Uh, maybe less than that. Maybe like, yeah, two or three. I'll say.
1: Had this big swing and uptake of fishing channels where. There are people like Flair, and I don't watch a lot of the fishing, so I can't name a bunch of them. But there's a group of them that are have reached—I don't know how high they've reached—over a hundred thousand, over two hundred thousand. I mean, they're, well, it's like uh,
0: it's John B. Flair, uh, Lunker's TV, Lake fort guy. Uh, I'm missing one. Oh, well, they, they've been
1: able to—they've been able yep. to turn it into their their full time living. A lot of them. yep, yep. Um, and before that, you just weren't seeing that. And so now there's a lot more people that fish than there are the waterfowl hunt, but waterfowl hunting is kind of in that early phases of, um, non highly produced self-published guys like you and me, uh, outdoor limits, Bobby guy. Um, I'm sure there's others that I'm forgetting, but, uh, that, that you're getting this uptake in those type of channels. That are starting to take off as well, so it's really a good time to be a waterfowl YouTuber right now because we're just at that big sweeping phase where, you know, um, how how many people are willing to watch it on YouTube? I know that right now, from what I'm seeing, and and correct me if you think that I'm wrong on any of this. People like Outdoor Limits and Bobby Guy, and to an extent, may, myself, are outperforming um some of the traditional kinds of waterfowl shows that may be even airing on tv um for for whatever reason my question to you is do you agree with that and would you do you why do you think that might be if you do agree with that
0: uh yeah i definitely agree with that um i think the tides are shifting um tv and the way people consume content as we know it is dying And, you know, there's a huge shift and you can see it across all genres where people are, you know, you you can call it the cord cutting generation. No one's going cable anymore. No one's watching TV. Like I don't even have TV, you know, (laughs) Uh, and there's a lot of a lot of people like that. They have Netflix and then they watch stuff on YouTube. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, I personally enjoy the YouTube style content more. Than the TV show type content, and like that stuff still has its place, and I think it's sure. you know you know it's, it's great, uh, but th- I just think that you know having it on TV, it's just you're having less eyeballs on it opposed to YouTube where there's more, and you can kind of like uh, use that fishing as a, as like an example, and um, you know you get a lot of the younger generation, like even like you know younger than um, you know the age where you can hunt. And so that's I think that's part of the reason why the fishing is ahead, because you have such a push from the younger generation, whereas Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily hunting all the time. They're fishing. But that generation is going to grow up and they're outdoorsmen, you know, and where are they going to go? Are they going to go back to TV? No, they're not. They're going to stick on stick on YouTube. And so it's just like it is a great time to be, um, you know, part of YouTube duck hunting. um, And it's only, you know, going to be a more positive for uh, everybody. In the future.
1: Yeah. Um, but e- even e- even those channels that are on TV, when they come to YouTube and they have a presence on YouTube and a channel and they're putting out their content on YouTube, they're still not generating the kind of numbers um, that some of the higher-end, just regular guy, I don't know what to call them, I guess just the vloggers. Uh, yeah, vlog-style hunting. Bloggers. Yeah, and I go back to... You know Josh at Outdoor Limits and and Bobby because I think that they're probably the two forerunners as far as watch time and, and subscribers go. And then I'm a l- little below them. Um, but if you look at and I'm not going to name names, but the guys that are on TV and they're putting it on YouTube, they're just they're they're being outperformed by guys with, I mean, cameras and gear that is a fraction of the cost um, that that's being used for them. I think that um, one Blind outdoors commented on here and i think that this is what i would agree with as far as it being relatable and presenting a story to follow and not just cramming sponsors down down your throat all the time but i think more than that it's getting to know the youtubers that are doing it you and i included it it's getting to know them personally getting to know feel like you know their characters And who they are, and I think when you come to YouTube and you start following someone, I think you almost have that. If if, like I know me personally, I'm not going to really get into a YouTube channel unless I relate to the person. You know, I mean, I might watch it, and and so that's that's a really interesting aspect of it that what people want from YouTube is different than when they turn on the TV. And I think you were alluding to that kind of with what you were saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, I think it's kind of just like a, an older format that the, the TV um, TV shows are using or the TV shows that, you know, place them on YouTube. They're using kind of the old format. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, one, it's, it's sometimes is a longer form, but uh, it's less personal. It's less personal. Um, less person, like you know, it's just less of a, an attachment to the person. Like you don't feel it's kind of like how you're saying your goal is to make it so people feel like they're on the hunt with you. And and I don't think I don't think that's the the TV, um, the TV show's goal. And yeah. uh, and people kind of with the the rise of vloggers on YouTube, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, more 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 and more people are kind of uh, coming to expect that or relating to that and. You know, if you've seen a vlog in some other topic that you are a fan of, you're like, well, maybe there's something like that in duck hunting or fishing or, you know, you name it, there's somebody who vlogs about it and um, you can connect with them. And I think that's cool for a lot of people. I enjoy that.
1: I do too. I, I do too. And, I mean, five years ago on YouTube, and I'm sure that people could give me examples to correct me on this, but this, here's my YouTube watching experience. And I watched a lot of duck hunting YouTube um, or attempted to, the years pr- previous to starting my channel, um, no, there just wasn't waterfowl vlogging going on. I remember. Um, now I'll say, um, Ducklander calls Bobby Hayes, I believe his name. He he did it for about a season, where they were. He was kind of a hybrid cross between your Saturday morning hunting shows and a vlog style in a way, but you really did not see vlogging where people were taking cameras with them, um, you know, GoPros had just come out. So what you were getting is people with GoPros sticking them to their guns and and then taking all accumulation of all their kill shots and just lining it up and slamming some metal on top of it. And there was a ton of that. But as far as anyone turning the camera on themselves and making a like experience, it just, it, I, I never, I didn't see it. Um, and now it's like, it's hard to find videos where that <laughs> of the previous style, where people are just doing kill a shot um, with music. So I mean, like the, the the to me, the face of YouTube as far as waterfowl has completely shifted in the last five years. Now you did find um, some of those more traditional show waterfowl shows on YouTube, and and Ducks Unlimited went to YouTube. I think in two thousand seven they started posting their stuff on there, but it's, it's just a completely different landscape now than it was five years ago
0: which channel was that
1: uh that's ducks Unlimited started putting their stuff on youtube in mm. 2007 yeah. but the, mostly there just wasn't there just wasn't much as far as waterfowl even on youtube at all
0: so what kind of prompted, prompted you to be uh you know the vlog style seeing that there was i mean i think maybe you were the first adopter to the vlog style hunting
1: I just, that was my whole goal was just to record memories from the hunt.
0: So you're just talking, like when you're talking in your vlog, like let's say your original video, and it's been a while since I've seen it, but um, were you like just talking to your family or what was your kind of like, cause you said you didn't think people would actually watch it. You posted it. And so when you're vlogging, who are you vlogging to? I'm
1: trying to think, I'm trying to think what I, you know, it's been so long since I've watched that first episode I'm trying to think how much I turned the camera on myself. I'm not sure that I turned the camera on myself that much.
0: So is Fumbles um, filming it? Well, I think I was –
1: I'd have to watch it. I think it's only about a three-and-a-half-minute video. Um, I think I was just filming like – we would actually got some decent kill shots in on that one. Uh, <laughs> because Fumbles shot his limit quick, and then he started trying to get the kill shots. But I think it was just filming the guys, you know, just hit and record a bunch, but not actually like – um, there was no goal of here's the progression of the day in that video or in even a lot of that first day. It was just, Oh, I've got a camera now. And a huge turning point for my videos. And I, I preach this a lot is that this, this little JVC Eviro that my, my father-in-law gave me was a small camera. And I was like, Oh, how am I going to deal with this thing? And he's like, man, just here, take this and wrap it around your neck, just wear it around your neck. And yeah. had he not said that I wouldn't have done that. Mm. And having that camera around my neck changed everything because then changed your life yeah really because if not i would have had it in a bag and trying to film a hunt by getting a camera in and out of a bag versus filming a hunt with a camera on your neck is totally different experience because when it's on your neck you can get it up and get it in people's faces as soon as a conversation starts or as soon as you want to versus Oh man, do I really need to get that camera out now? You know, I mean, it's going to take you probably thirty seconds to get it going, and and that kind of defined my hunt style because from the start it was just like, oh, you know, my dad's doing something silly. I've got the camera right here. Boom, you know, or or whatever, or you know, but there was no idea of filming the progression in that first season of the hunt. Um, Like as it started going along, I tried tried to do it was just. Essentially, it was just hitting record a bunch, and then editing it, editing things poorly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, would there be any uh, you know, knowing what you know now, would there be anything you'd you'd do different from the start or?
1: Mm. Um, you know, I I mean, certainly the, th- the 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 as far as editing goes, if I go back, to even season two, any time that I've re edited a video of mine there's always so much extra and i would say that that is the number one mistake that people that are on youtube that are just picking up a camera and and trying to edit film um, don't get is that when when you re-edit it first of all you need to you need to watch that video about 30 40 times (laughs) um i do and you need to constantly cut out as much extra crap as you can so I'll go through my video and say, what here can I cut out that doesn't have value that I don't really like? Because if I really like it, it's probably going in regardless. Mm. But it's it's a constant of, and I'll go through, and I'll trim out a second and a half here, a second and a half there, a second and a half there, a tiny little spot where a camera jerks, you know, because as, as uh, non-professional videographers, we've got a lot of camera shake a lot of times because we don't really know um, the we're just not that good at and we don't have the equipment to not have that. So I I would say the thing I would do best is if I went back and re-edited every single hunt from season one, they would all be about half the length. That's interesting to hear.
0: I was actually going to say like the opposite that I think I cut out too much and mine are like super, super short. And like, uh, I kind of watched a lot of like how to's before I started to, you know, do the YouTube stuff. And you Mm -hmm. know, one thing they always preach is like how like short attention span is you know, yes. with, mm-hmm. with just people in general, um, you know, ourselves included, just because of the kind of content that we consume all the time. Um, it, it just, uh, you kind of come to expect action, action, action. Like if you go to the theater and watch a movie, you know, there's no, you know, there's no dead time ever. Um, yeah. So same thing with YouTube. And so I'm like cutting, cutting, cutting close as I can. And, and sometimes, you know, I'm always trying to stick to the story too. Um, like story kind of like over anything kind of for me, uh, like I want it to like tell a story from beginning to end and, uh, or, you know, share the story because the story is kind of told on its own. Um, but Mm -hmm. you have to use, use your tools to tell a story to somebody else. But, um, sometimes I'd, I'd end up cutting stuff out because I didn't know how to fit it into the story or, um, you know, I just thought it, it was too lacking of action. But then I see a lot of other people, you know, successful YouTubers that, uh, you know, don't necessarily have it as closely cut together. So I don't know if I'm on the opposite side of that spectrum or not.
1: Yeah. Is- um, I, 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 my number one objective from the start, and I'm going to work as hard as I can to make sure this always continues to be my number one objective, is to please myself. If I like it, it's going in like um a good example is my video thousands of mallards where i have tons of conversation in there just between my dad and myself where uh i mean it's probably a good 10 minutes of conversation between he and i because i love that conversation and if i go into my analytics i can actually see a little bit of a drop off in there but maybe some of the people that are dropping off aren't really the people that i'm trying to bind to my brand Um, maybe the people that really love that because there will be some that do. So if it comes down to YouTube best practices versus what I love, I'm going to go with what I love because that keeps me motivated. And, and, and ultimately to this day, I am making videos to hold memories. So all that conversation I have in there with my dad, where I'm cramming duck in his mouth and he's just (laughs) laughing and laughing at the story I'm telling about how I got in trouble for using my son's toothbrush and and having that in that video 20 years from now when he's dead and gone it's going to be invaluable to me so i yeah. i'm sticking to my roots in that ultimately this is this channel is for the purpose of me recording memories and if i love it that that's going to go above youtube best practices
0: yep yeah i agree with that um one kinda on that same line where you're saying like invaluable memories, like not even for yourself though. Um I mean it's kinda weird to think about, but like I have like a um eight month eight month old child and uh like someday she's gonna be able to look back at these videos yeah. and that's just like a crazy thought, you know? Yeah. And like uh it's just so crazy because, you know, I mean it's so many videos, so many like hunts, and um, you know, I love watching them all the time, but like just thinking about you know, maybe my kid someday is gonna look back and see these videos twenty years from now. That's just a crazy, crazy thought. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And and another reason I'm obsessive. Um, I love watching my own hunts. I I mean, I probably it doesn't go by that I don't watch at least one of my videos because I I I love duck hunting to the point where it's probably unhealthy.
2: Yeah. And <laughs> I
1: obsess about duck hunting probably to the point that it's unhealthy. And I and I will watch other people's. Um, well, hold on. If my wife is listening to this, it's perfectly healthy for our marriage, of course. But <laughs> um, if I can go back and experience that, like I'm, I'm dying. If I can go back and watch a quick hunt of mine, I, I just can't get enough. Man, I just can't get enough.
0: Yeah, I hear you. How would I think we've talked about this before? But on average, how many views on your videos do you think are from you? <laughs> oh my god. Um like let 10, me fifteen. Out. Oh way more than ten. <laughs> per video? More. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred? Like once they're posted on YouTube. It's different once you're once at. Once they're
1: po- it, well, it would depend on the hunt. Okay, so let me think like that the best hunt from this year, I think, is the goose hunt where we are on the river and we shoot our limit and water them up close man see the thing is what i'll do is i'll cherry pick from them too so i'll know which parts i want to like dialogue and discussion i won't go back and watch a whole lot but oh, I'll, yeah, I will, yeah. I'll cherry pick just the kill shots or the stuff that i like the most
0: yeah i'm the same so, way
1: it's <laughs> yeah. hilarious and, to then hear may, and then maybe i'll go back in like after a couple of years and watch the whole thing and i'll have lots of stuff and i didn't remember mm-hmm. but as far as cherry picking i don't know i know that it's a lot <laughs> I <know that> it's <laughs> enough that my family makes fun of me for it
0: <laughs> so i do m- just like I, do it said, I don't have tv
1: i don't have tv and especially like during the summers i'm a teacher so i'm off and i'm totally i'm trying to cram videos and get ready for the upcoming season but you know um a lot of times what i want to watch at that moment is is our crew shooting a bunch of mallards or you
0: know <laughs> yeah yeah, my favorite thing to, to look back on my videos is I go back and watch, like, my B-roll segments. Like, any video where I did, like, a cool B-roll segment, like, at the beginning, like, the, you know, the six-man limit hunt or, like, the Christmas one or, you know, my dad's turkey. Like, I love, for whatever reason, that stuff kind of, like, trips my trigger. Like, I'm just, like, <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of brings out – it's kind of like a – I'm gonna, you know, borrow this from Ben. Like, I think forever now, cause I thought it was awesome the way he said it. Where it, uh, it does duck hunting justice. Like mm-hmm. what you see when you're out in the marsh, and you you're able to like put something like that just like brings out the beauty of the animals and creation and 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 the hunt and just put it in this like quick you know 30 second segment. And for me, I'm like, man, that's cool. <laughs> I don't know if yeah, that's like you. vain or. <laughs> No, right. I,
1: I just think that you've created it, and it turned out the way you wanted it, and and it's not vain. What it is is you're releasing chemicals, happy chemicals, in your brain.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean that that's what yeah. it is, and and I mean that's yeah. And the it's, more, it's, epic... it's probably a form of an addiction, I would imagine, in, in some sense, <laughs> because we're going after that chemical release, that that happy feeling chemical release. I don't know whether it's um, what's what's the chemical that that makes you happy? I can't remember. A dopamine. Called, is that what it is? I serotonin know. Know and serotonin <laughs> but anyway that that's what you're doing that's what you're doing then i mean that's true with all with all tv and pleasure you're going for a chemical response that makes you feel better that's true and yeah. oftentimes what we've created and what we're proud of or watching myself shooting mallards makes me feel better than going and watching some stranger shooting mallards. You know? <laughs> because yep. I, I don't know that's a but that makes sense to me
0: anyway Yep. yeah so and what also, what should we jump to now?
1: Well, how about how about gear and and equipment and um if like your progression of gear and equipment, like the run rundown of um what you use
0: out filming. Okay. Um you want me to go first?
1: Endorphins. There we go. Endorphins, thank you, Brew Knight. <laughs> and if you guys have any questions, feel free to to put them up on here. Um and make sure if you have not gone to Facebook and found us on um, Fellowship of the Duck Guns. Make sure and come join us over there too.
0: All right, uh, for equipment for me, um, you know, I like to have a shot like in the back. So, like, you know, maybe a GoPro, um, whatever you got, you know, put that in the back. Get yourself like in the corner um, and kind of like you know low, just so that you can be seen. And then like it spreads out. You know, GoPros are kind of. Um, Known for having like the wide lens, so you can get kind of a wide view. You don't get the best kill shots, um, but that's not always like the number one goal for me. Um, I think it, you know, can improve your stuff, but as long as I'm getting like the action, people can see people duck hunting and the ducks coming in, you know, that's cool. And then, like, I like to have a shot going into the blind, like, so I'll put like my uh, G7, Panasonic G7 is a DSLR, um, and I got like the kit lens, which is I think it's 14 to. I could look at it. It's right here. Uh, 14 to 42. And it's a uh, micro four thirds. So you have to multiply that by two to get the actual focal length. Um, like if it was a, you know, a full scale sensor, then it would be uh, 28 by uh, 84. Unless it's that, is that, is it double you're talking, or half?
1: I'm foreign language to me right now.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, then like my secret weapon is 50 millimeter lens. Um, which is 25 on that, but anyways, I'm going too much in the weeds. Uh, <laughs> so that that gives you the the um, the depth of uh, the depth of view, depth depth of field, mm-hmm. depth of field. Yeah, It yeah. um, That gives it cool cinematic shots where you get one thing in focus, and it's like a very narrow window of focus, and then everything else is kind of blurry everywhere. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going too much in the details for this, <laughs> but. Yeah. So, so when just, you're
1: out there, you've got how, – how many cameras do you have out there? All those numbers I started phasing off.
0: Okay. Uh, I use two to three. I use one for the blind, and sometimes I use two for getting shots of birds coming okay. in and us shooting.
1: You've got your DSLR and then two GoPros. Is that what you have?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Okay. And I'm right now I'm using a GoPro Hero 4 Silver. I've got a Panasonic HCV. 770 which is going to be hanging around my neck and then i just purchased a canon vixia i can't remember which is offhand right now um and that is a little bigger camera and hopefully that's what we're going to be getting the kill shots with so we're going to have i I, we're going to i've always said two now we're going to we're going to three i would like to get another gopro Um, so that my setup would be GoPro in the decoys. And what I want the GoPro to more and more is become is insurance, where if the shot is missed with the Canon Vixia, the GoPro is still there to clean up your mistake. That's what I want the GoPro there. I want to continue. I want to minimize the GoPro footage as much as possible because ultimately it's really, really hard to not have them look like little gnats in the sky on a GoPro. It's really hard. Even with... I mean, it's crazy. You'll see a Mallard land what seems to be 10 feet in front of a GoPro, and you look at the footage, and you're like, gosh, that looks like 40. It's just – and I keep it on a medium setting because I, I want it. Like you said, I want to get spread out and get that stuff. But I want that camera there. I want a GoPro facing us to get a shooting because I have, that's one thing I've done a terrible job at is getting footage at a, as a shooting. You do a lot better job of that than I do. And then I want the camera on my neck to be getting the conversation – and all that stuff and then the Vixia I want to be basically for one person trying to get kill shots with. So, I want to go to a four camera system, but I know probably I'll only be at three cameras this year. But that that's my
0: So your fourth would my, be another GoPro?
1: My fourth would be another GoPro that would be in the blind right on us so as we shoot I could get some. I think it would add great value to my videos from time to time to see us getting up and pulling the trigger cuz that's mm-hmm. just something I haven't shown at all. I wouldn't do a bunch of, you know, two or three times a hunt. I don't think you need to just overdo it with things, even like kill shots. If I get two, three, four really solid kill shots in a hunt, that's fine. I don't think you need 30. You need to tell the story. You need to be personable. Um, you need to uh, make sure you don't have lots of extra boring stuff in there where people just click off, not too shaky. Um, and I I think that's really and really does it, but I, I do. I have a. I have in me a desire to get better, higher quality kill shots uh, because I like them, and I think that other people do as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've just kind of, uh, I guess, realized I'm I'm not gonna have them, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, you know, and the best I've ever got is just having the medium setting GoPro on my head. Um, and only using it for like the kill shot because any other time it's so shaky that you're going to make yourself yeah. seasick. Um, but it, and from time to time, I have used that as well. Now, why uh, don't you
1: put the GoPro on a stake? Why do you put it on your head and not on a stake?
0: Just because getting the actual kill shot, like if, if you're swinging far to the left and it's on the stake pointing over here or, you know, like if it's a passing shot, let's say.
1: Yeah. I can tell you when my GoPro is set up properly, there's very few shots that I'm at, that, 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 that GoPro doesn't get.
0: Mm. I think it's just yeah. location. Like if I'm on a big river, I can't like put it in the decoys. Cause we're talking like, it's like four yeah. feet deep or, or, you know, you couldn't I even mean,
1: stake it in there. Like a,
0: uh, I guess I could I, I maybe.
1: Here's what Drake Valley told me. And he's, he's a really good tech guy. And, and I kind of believe him that um, GoPros don't do motion well. And I, and I think that the shots, a lot of the shots that you get with that are fine. I'm not, I'm not disparaging them all. Talking, well, they,
0: they do better with uh, the look when there's better light, yeah. With better light, and no, mo- do they
1: do better with the motion?
0: Okay. Yeah, because it's the reason that it would do worse is because of the um, oh, what's the right words? Just the I can't think of the correct terminology, <laughs> but uh, it's just the way the camera works when there's less light, um, the sensor is closed up more, and so you're getting more of that blur opposed to the actual visual.
1: So what do you do with your second GoPro? You have one on your head and the other one's facing. No,
0: no. I I haven't been using the one on my head as much lately. So I'll have like one face. I'll have like a, well, what I've been doing is putting both behind me. And so I'll put myself in the corner of either one. So I get like, you know, almost 180 degrees of birds coming in. And then I'll have one camera just facing wherever we're hunting, like kind of like sideways, not facing.
1: Yeah. You know what you would benefit from? Now, these are about $700 and that's why I don't have one. But I know I'm not bank blanking on the stupid name it's shot those, cam tacticam yeah, yes
0: yeah, I have one of those, and I, I got it at the end of last season, so um now,
1: you know that's one that puts a little red dot in the screen, right uh
0: it depends on which company the shot cams do, but tacticam doesn't
1: now is that is that as high a is that a knockoff brand or is that about the same quality as a shot
0: cam? um I don't know which one would be considered a premier brand. I think they're both up and coming. Okay. Like, so it, they, like,
1: they produce about the same quality image. Uh,
0: I think, honestly, I, th- I think I'd have to say Shot Cam, just from what oh. I've seen. And I haven't even shot it yet on my shotgun, but just what I've seen on YouTube that uh, those, it looks like are Shot are Cam's cool. a little better.
1: Those yeah. are
0: cool. Yeah, I think so.
1: so. You've got that.
0: Yep. So I'll be trying that oh, out that'll next be year.
1: Great. Yeah, Hopefully, yeah. I, I think that'll be great.
0: Yep. I shot it once, I <laughs> used it on my bow. And I don't know if it's going to be different on the shotgun, but I wasn't impressed with the bow. And I think just with the bow, because like, you know, when you pull it back and let go, you get a lot of shake in the bow. Right. So I don't know how it's going to be on a shotgun. Um, I assume it'll be better on a shotgun. Okay,
1: Uh, that'll be cool to see. Yeah,
0: I'm hoping that helps. Because it it even has like slow motion settings and. (laughs) Uh
1: huh yeah and you and and when people use them, I always think that it's the quality's because cool. it's just a little tunnel vision, so it really gets out there and and seems to get the get the shot
0: uh someone's well. asking if we uh if we leave the gopros recording the entire hunt, and yeah, so either what you can do is just check like every hour and switch out batteries and have like uh, three to five batteries which gets to be a pain and in the cold they go quicker or you can buy like external batteries or another thing that I've, I've learned to use is you can get like uh, like the bricks that you can use like for phone charging and it has like a USB port but you know uh, all the cameras have a USB charger so you just plug your, your GoPro into that obviously you can't do it when it's, when, when it's raining but you can plug that up and your GoPro then has like five hours of recording time
1: yeah, and um, with me, go, the the action cam has been a real headache for me over the first three years. So, after people started watching my videos, I rushed out and got a um, cheap action camera. And my idea was that I was gonna wear that on my head, but I didn't really understand that you just have to let it run. So, what I was constantly <laughs> trying to hit record on it at the right time.
0: And it takes well, that a second failed. to boot up. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it failed miserably. And on, it was I didn't hook it to my phone, so even when I had it on, like it was always facing the wrong. I would check it, and it would be terrible.
0: Dude, that and was that a terrible. Awesome shot. That was a terrible action cam. Yes, it was a I'm,
1: terrible action cam.
0: I bought it Do on you your remember? recommendation too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, here's the thing about that. I did a lot of research with it. And you can go out and, and and search that thing. And they they showed me side-by-sides on YouTube comparison <laughs> between it and a GoPro. I'm like, man, this is pretty comparable. I, I really did my research on it.
0: I think but it's, yeah, but it got really bad in low light. That must have been it. And, like, like it's it was, bad. yeah. If you think the GoPro is bad in low light as far as, like, blur. Like, I used that and, like, had, like, ducks fly through. And it looked like I had, like uh, like, a snake flying through the sky. It's just like.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that thing's still just sitting around. I don't ever touch it. In fact, I've got two of them Mm -hmm. like that, that I I don't even take them with me. I don't take Mm -hmm. them for anything. And so then I tried uh, tried the barrel. I tried a barrel cam it, and that didn't work right. And then I finally realized, hold on, you're just supposed to let these things record and not turn them on and off all the time. And so that's when I went out and bought a GoPro, which I found you can get them at Walmart refurbished a lot cheaper um, than like half price. And so I got that. I got the external battery, like you're talking about. I have got two of those, and I for the just Hero 4 Mm-hmm. And how and long well, does, I've got, does that last? Um, three, four hours, I think.
0: Really? Something for one like battery, yeah. two. One. Hmm, that's pretty yeah,
1: good. It goes a long time. It's about a fifty dollar. I don't know what brand. It's about that big, and it's got about. A, it's about. And here, here is here's here's the key and I think Golden Boy thought of this, when it's cold out, you get one of those foot warmers, right? And those (laughs) actually have adhesive on them to stick them to the bottom of your feet. And you wrap those around that external battery, and your GoPro will run even like 15, 10, 15 degrees. I had one hunt where it didn't seem to work. But because GoPros, if in the cold, if if they're not right on your body or to get your body heat, man, those batteries will be done. Yep. Be
0: fast. Same with the phone. Like if, if you use your phone for anything, when it's cold yeah. outside, man, thing's dead fast. Like I've had mine what? like shut off. It's like twenty percent, and it's like, oh, dead. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah,
1: me too. But if you keep them close to your body, like when I keep those cameras hanging around my neck, I never have that problem because they're always sitting on my body. Mm. But you put makes it on sense. a tripod, or now I'm sure those higher end, real expensive cameras are are, are different um, huh. than that. But if you keep it on your neck, on your body, it makes it makes it makes a big difference. So for those of you that are listening, if you want to film your hunts, you don't need super high-end gear. That first camera that I was using, if you go back and watch season one, um, you're talking $150, $200 camera can get you started. And they're good enough. You know, just go and look at the quality. Go to my playlist and look at season one and just look at the quality. And then you can see a quality improve from season one to season two. But I got plenty of views season one um, with that $250, $200 camera.
0: Yeah, and I'd say that uh, it's definitely changed since then. I think that the whole quality of YouTube has gone up too, so it's a, it's going to be a little different. But yeah, but you definitely yeah. can, you definitely can. But I wouldn't expect. I would uh, say
1: when I start the year I started, if I just started now, I don't, I don't think I would grow as fast because there's just more people
0: competing, more competition. Yeah,
1: and with with Flair getting into um, waterfowl videos, if you search duck hunting. Typically from the first page, he's got at least half of half the slots taken. Yeah. To where uh, and I I don't say that with any kind of negativity at all. It's just a matter of fact that his videos do so well that he takes those spots. So if you if you go and search Duck Hunting now, a lot of his videos pop up where that first year I was doing it, it was not uncommon for me to put out a video and be sitting, you know, third, fourth, fifth, um, in the rankings for for searches and and now that year three was I, I couldn't do that anymore mostly because videos yeah. it, it, just do so well
0: yeah i've only had i think one video that sat no i've had two i've had two videos that have been like if you search duck hunting they pop up and they s- stick there for like a week or two and then they're gone because uh yeah if, if flair decided to post in anything if he decided to post i mean once you have half a million subs plus you know yeah it, he could be posting in like Legos like he could just be like oh, I'm a Lego guy now and be like the top <laughs> for search <laughs> yeah for sure he is a I mean, he's worked for it so I'm not saying guy. that in a negative Absolutely. way no not at
1: all it's just he's hot man he's a social media genius as far as I'm concerned
0: yeah uh, yeah Everything once blind, definitely definitely GoPros the new GoPros with the stabilizers stabilizers are nice because I've used like a I think it was a Hero 3 and now I got a 5 and man like the stabilization is just way better uh Jack Jack, what uh what um Tacticam do you have? Mine's the newest version. So I wonder uh, it's actually got slow-mo as well. So I don't know if uh if it's how much worse it is than the shot cam now. Hopefully they've made some strides to make it better. Alright, well, what do you you got anything else to add to this, Elliot? um i'm sure i'm
1: gonna think of something when we get off but if you guys have any (laughs) questions hit them up here real quick we are gonna have to pop off my family's actually at a pool party right now that i'm supposed to be at and i haven't eaten i think there's lots of good food there awesome Uh, speaking of food when i came back from the survival trip oh my gosh we hit hardy's at two o'clock in the morning then um i got woke up had a bunch of french toast two hours later went to freddy's and then came back about 4 hours later had chinese <laughs> i thought we were eating really good but when you just eat like only fish for 48 hours <laughs> it's like your body's telling you some stuff that you're missing
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i can see that happening any well, new channels that. you have found any new oh, channels yeah, you mean like have. duck hunting
1: well why don't you just name off two or three that you liked
0: um i probably should name, I, I feel like i can't like name just two or three because I don't want to offend anybody that I like, you know. <laughs> I'll
1: name I'll name off two or three that I really like.
0: Well, okay, yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and say my list. So my list, I got uh, a list on my actual channel, um, and there's actually one I need to add to, but uh, f- and I call it Fellowship of the Duck Tubes. But uh, <laughs> it's uh freelance, White Rock Decoys, Virginia Outdoors Unlimited, Mid Valley Mercenaries, the Quack Addicts, somewhere in Wisconsin, High Prairie Sportsman Fowl Assassin, and um, Iowa Plainsman.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think my list is pretty, pretty similar, um, for sure. And uh, I can always blank on his name. The Cabela's Outdoors,
0: John. Oh yeah. Dang, my list isn't gonna John. fit on my page eventually. Is that John? <laughs> isn't We had yeah. him on the podcast. John and right? his, his his life? YouTube channel. Do you know what his YouTube YouTube channel is? No, I don't remember.
1: Well, he's I always ca- watch his content on Cabela's Outdoors.
0: Yeah, it's John Lewis and his uh his stuff John is Lewis. on. It's on uh yeah the Cabela's Northern Flights. It's just on the Cabela's I think Cabela's YouTube channel, and which I think that's a, a mistake by them. But uh, and then they post all of it just all the Cabela stuff on there, and his stuff is mixed in there, um, and it's Cabela's Northern Flight series, so I'm, I'm saying they should have a separate channel just for John Lewis, because that stuff yes. would do better, if because like, I literally unsubbed to it, because I don't want all the he other did. updates, and so he then did. whenever a video comes out, I go, you know, go find it, but um, yeah, he would be yeah. cr-
1: crushing it if he had his own channel,
0: yep, and he has because his, his own channel on. now, he just started his own channel yeah. called Just Hunt Club
1: yeah um i'm not i'm not going to list every channel that i like because there, there are a lot of them
0: <laughs> well that's not every um, channel so i have, like
1: i know I'm, I'm not i'm not talking i'm not saying that in lieu of like, okay, like okay. you did i'm just i'm just giving a disclaimer if you're listening to this and i know you personally and i don't name your channel that doesn't mean that i don't like it i'm just going to name a few that i that i just come to mind um so my favorite until they stopped was bob and nay um and I talked about that too much. I had them on a live stream last year and they did they've kind of stopped, but I their waterfowl was that was my favorite channel. Um I will I will always watch the grind when they pump stuff out, but I wouldn't call it one of my one of my favorites, certainly. Um I, I started watching Iowa Plainsman um at the beginning of last year. I like his slow paced style. And I say that I I mean his slow paced style kind of by his countenance, I guess, and the way that he vlogs. I enjoy it. it. It There's something about the atmosphere that I'm able to film, that I'm able to feel when he films, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but um, I like that a lot. I like, there's something about Virginia Outdoors, something about who he is as a person that I like, something about his kind of mature beyond his years and calm, and but there's a deep-rooted enjoyment of what he's doing that I can sense his videos does that, does that does that make sense does that translate
0: yeah it makes sense what to I'm me i'm saying about him
1: there there you can tell there's a deep reverence in him and what he's doing um, and i certainly watch all of your stuff and and very much like yours um and you have a an enthusiasm for it and i like that it's so fresh for you um and and the excitement i think you do a good job of the excitement of the moment you can feel with you, which I think is awesome it is a huge thing to translate to people to, that they can feel what you're feeling when something good happens or whatever. I'm trying to think what other, um, GT, I like, I like certainly his last season, GT outdoors. Um, I, his, his stuff continues to get better and better and better. And one thing I've that he's just continually gotten better at is trimming stuff down. His stuff used to be kind of had too much fluff in it. Um, and he blames it on his ADHD of not being able to go back and continue to edit. But, <laughs> um, but his stuff's getting better. Drake Valley, which I, if he, his first season was awesome and he died off, but the, I, those are just a, the short list, I guess, of, hope I'm not leaving anyone just crucial out, but that, that would be this, my short list, I guess, of just ones that pop into my mind.
0: Yep. Yeah. All good ones. Yeah. And there's, I'm sure there's plenty that we, that we didn't mention, um, you know, and if you are a filmmaker, creative, like whatever you want to call it on YouTube, you know, keep at it because I think this is just going to be good for everybody. YouTube's going to keep growing. And I, I for,
1: certainly watch everything that Josh at Outdoor Limits does.
0: That's yeah, I do too. That That's a good one to put in there too. Uh, yeah, yeah sure. my list was just people that I've like actually like personally contacted and talked to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if I if I left anybody's name out, it's not you know that I don't like your your channels just these are the people that i've actually talked to yeah on youtube yeah
1: and, and we're just and, and as it goes back to show you again on youtube what what really seems to matter to a lot of people on youtube is personal relationship and so you know um it's it's no it's like the, the ones that i tend to gravitate to are the ones that display themselves in a way that i know them to, except the grind being on that list but i i, I don't want to leave that one off because i do watch it and I do, yeah and i, do think and I like the host of the grind fantastic. too yeah, I, I I like um Bill um, um gosh I'm terrible with names the D- Dakota Decoy's owner Bill Will Will Roth I like his countenance I like his he seems like a, a just I like the way he carries himself
0: on those videos. Yep, I agree. All right, well, I think that about clears it up. Double-check the questions one last time. I think we got it all covered. So thanks again, guys, for joining us for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. Make sure to check me out on Duck Gun Chronicles on YouTube, Elliot on Freelance Duck Hunting on YouTube as well, and the Facebook group, Fellowship with the Duck Gun, and we'll see you guys next week. Later. And that's a wrap, folks. Thanks again, everyone you guys, for tuning in. We really appreciate everyone of you. Without you guys, this po- podcast would be nothing. So we really appreciate you guys tuning in week in and week out. Quick reminder, big favor, if you guys could drop us a review. We a review. We love the five-star reviews. And yeah, that's all we got for this week. Be sure to tune in, and we'll see you again next week. Let's go.